tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to it's great to be back for another episode of Campbell's Football. So I am Dr. Grant Campbell, and for this episode, I am joined by another Irish League legend, the Crusaders' fullback, Billy Joe Burns. Billy, a warm welcome to the show. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. How have you been coping during this very strange year or so with coronavirus? Because it really has turned everyone's world upside down. Yeah, it's it's been a different, maybe, what is it, a year and a half now? Because it was towards the end of last season as well. Yeah. You know, it is, it's strange and it's getting a bit, you know, it's taking you away to get used to it, but everyone's in the same boat, kind of football in terms, and you just have to adapt to it, and you know, you're doing your own training when you can, and training with the boys when you can, the same, at, at the minute it's just part of the way we're playing football, so it's, it's you have to just get on with it at the end yeah. of the day, don't you? And what, and what about your, your day-to-day job away from football, or I don't know if you're full-time yourself, I, I mean, how has that changed? It was well, like to be fair, there's not much has changed in my life for this lockdown. You know, I, I live a quite a like a, a boring life to be honest. That you know, I get up in the morning and I still go to work the way I would normally go to work, and then I go to football training, and then I come home and I watch TV, play places, and then go to bed. And that's my that's my daily routine even before lockdown. So yeah. not much has changed for me personally. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, obviously, the season so far has been um, a really interesting one. You know, Crusaders very much in the mix with Linfield and Larne at the top. Have you been surprised at the quality of football so far this season? Um, I, I wouldn't say surprised. You know, you've you seen, you know, you seen the likes of Larne last year who were very good, and they just needed that another year or two in the league to gain more experience. You know, because, you know, I'm sure it's completely different from when they were winning every week in the championship no disrespect they're coming up and playing against better players yeah etc so it, it would have just taken them as a couple of years to get to get into the swing of things the tempo and everything else and you you can really see how far they have progressed mm-hmm. this year you know for me personally they have looked the best team in the league this year mm-hmm. and yeah and, and they they'll be they'll be hard to stop themselves and then obviously you've always Linfield are always going to be there mm-hmm. you know they've always quality no matter what and you're saying there's a few teams that are that are that will be pushing for it you know the likes of ourselves Plimwell Korean you know it, it, it makes it interesting for everyone yeah absolutely and Crusaders have done fairly well this season especially at Seaview I mean I've watched quite a lot of uh, you guys' performances and been very strong especially at home yeah well you know that's to be fair, this is dating back years now. Crusaders have always been a hard team to go, you know, go to Seaview and get a win. You know, every team will, will tell you throughout the years. You know, Stevens kind of got the reputation of building big, strong, physical teams. And no one ever ever says they have an easy game against Crusaders, especially at Seaview. And that's something that now we, you know, pride ourselves on as well. It's, you know, every, every team's the same. Obviously, everyone likes to make their their home their, their fortress and yep. you know that's what we we set up to do ourselves and I think the record's pretty good at the minute isn't it but we've won our last 11 or 12 it's or pretty good it's pretty good I mean I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic I mean some of your performances as a team have been really really good I mean I think one of the games before this little stoppage that we're recording this was the Porter Down game and you know was a really really great performance across the board from Crusaders yeah, what did we win that game? Five. Five no. no, I was on the bench that day, so the, the boys, the boys played brilliant there around me. But the same, <laughs> even 
last last week would be at one point four mil there as well. That's right. You know, at CV we do because I think you know we know the pitch and it suits us and saying like everyone you know your own ground better than anyone else so yeah and the pitch is perfect you know it's no matter what month it is whatever the pitch is perfect and we know exactly how to play on it so yeah it's something we we, we do pride ourselves on and and we enjoy playing at CV yeah absolutely well it's really interesting to chat about uh, Crusaders and we'll move on to talk about your your journey at the cruise but Billy it's great to have you on the show I always open up uh, my show with uh, a really interesting question what made you want to go into football at the beginning of your journey what was your routine at the start well like I've two Two older brothers and, and my dad, they, you know, these were all sporty people, have always been sports. My family were more, I remember listening to your podcast and Sean Ward was saying the same about his family, they were more in the GAA. And that's kind of where my family was too, you know, my dad was more of a hurler. Mm-hmm. And then he played obviously Gaelic football and stuff like that. And the two older brothers followed suit were him. Mm-hmm. Then when I came along, I kind of broke the mould a wee bit whenever I was... I think I was six or seven, I joined my local team, Newhill, and that's where it all really began for me, you know, that's where I really started the, the, the lovely game. Like, Did you ever see yourself moving into hurling as a sport away from football at any point? Well, I, I, to be, I was never a hurler. <laughs> Hurling was too much, too, too mad for me, to be fair. And I, you have to be a, a proper madman to play that sport. But no, I, I always did play Gaelic. You know, I played Gaelic right up until... Uh, I kind of joined the senior team at Linfield and then I kind of had to make a decision then to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing every now and again, just a few times, though, to take myself over, stay fit and, and stuff like that. I would go and do a few training sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sport that I do love playing and saying it, it was kind of grew into me as well, you know, my dad and my two older brothers playing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course in Scotland, uh, Shinty, uh, which is very closely associated to Ireland, is is very competitive and there's a lot of great Shinty uh, players that uh, I've followed over the time and it's a really competitive sport as you've mentioned there. Uh, In terms of your inspirations and idols playing the game but also off the pitch as well, Billy, who were yours? Well, you know, in football in terms I'm a Man United supporter, so Roy Keane was always a bit. Of, I was always a big fan of Roy Keane, and then the older I got, then Rio Ferdinand joined Man United, and he was my favourite player. You no, know, he was a centre half. I was a centre half at that time when he was when he had joined, and I, I loved the way he played the game. You know, he wasn't a typical English centre half. No going head and tackling and stuff like that. He could actually play a wee bit, and I loved watching him. So they they were my two favourite players. I, I liked watching growing up, but. You know, as I said about my dad and my two older brothers, we're them two are six and seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. So them two, you know, we're, we're always quite competitive. Then I came along, so I was always kind of looking up the Emmons and chasing them two. And saying no matter what we did in life, the favours were always really competitive. I was so going to say, I is there of, a bit of sibling rivalry between you guys? Yeah, from, from the day I was born, and I had that bred into me, you know, saying if there was a we were actually talking about it the other day, funny enough, we're, we're in the mum's house and we were watching the, the Mary Ducks, because the, the wee nieces was watching the Mary Ducks, <laughs> and he, even when we were kids, we used to get our rollerblades and we had a, used to get a, a tin of coke and just squeeze it down, <laughs> and tape it, tape it with duct tape, and you turned it into a puck, Brilliant. and then we would be out, in our, we, I lived on a cul-de-sac, we would be out in a cul-de-sac where 
our hurling sticks and our rollerblades playing happy. You know, that's the famous stuff that we did when we were kids and saying we were, we're just really competitive and, and just loves every sport going, to be honest. But you need that, don't you? Because it just drives you on, but it also drives you all on to try and aspire to be the best that you can be. No, definitely. It's, it's definitely played its part in my sporting career, you know, because... I think if you don't have that competitiveness in you, I, I, I don't think it, you'll go too far because you need that will to win and drive to win and, you know, to be able to put the work in. Yeah. And if, you, if you're not really that fussed on winning, mm-hmm. you'll not win. It's as simple as that, like. No, absolutely. You mentioned Keenan Ferdinand, and I, I'm pleased you did that because I'm a Manchester United fan myself. But one, yeah. one of the things that stood out for me with the two guys you picked there is one word, leadership. Yeah, Dev, you know, obviously... Roy Keane's one of the best captains, probably the best captain United's ever had. And saying, uh, and being from Ireland, us being from Belfast, you know, that's someone who who we loved, and he's as hard as nails. And he he's the typical winner, like he loves saying he loves, say, he loves saying what he thinks on uh, on yeah, Super Sunday as well. You see him on the TV, and he still takes no nonsense, and you can just tell that. He, he probably would have been a nightmare if he was your teammate, <laughs> but at the same time, he would have got the, the best out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you need from that is these guys to just never give up and never give in. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Let's talk about your own journey, Billy, because um, obviously uh, two really massive clubs in your journey, Linfield and Crusaders. Let's talk about the Linfield journey to start with. How did that move come about at the beginning? Um, I think I was I went and played the Milk Cup for County Andron and when I was down there there was a, a couple of boys who were in that team that played for Linfield youth team you know we had Adam Dick and Mark Muskim and a few other boys and I was still playing for my local club Newhill at the time mm-hmm. and uh, them, them boys had just said to me why don't you come and play for or come to our training session and play for Linfield but they were all a year older than me as well so I was a year younger than these boys mm. so whenever it was, it was quite daunting to be fair you know I'm, I'm from West Belfast that never left, left West Belfast you know everything I did was all in my area so it, it was quite a big, big step for me to be fair to pick up that phone to ring Stick Thompson who was the Linfield youth coach at the time yeah. they invited me down to training and then to be fair from the minute I got there. I, I was treated brilliantly, and you know, uh, to be fair, I loved it there, and and everyone loved me here. So yeah, it, it was definitely the right move for me at the right time. Linfield's history and story over time is one of success and one of um, dominance to a point. But you know, there are clubs synonymous in Northern Irish league history and on the club scene. What does the club mean to you, Billy? As, as I said, I love love my time at Linfield. I would never say anything bad about them. You know, from the minute I got there when I was sixteen till the day I left, the majority of people, you know, took care of me and looked after me and saying they would never say a bad word about me. The boys who were there when I was there, and I would never say a bad word about them. And so, saying they've helped me a lot in my career as well. You know, I was there from I was sixteen till I was twenty four, twenty five. So they. Mm also made me the player that I, albeit I think Crusaders got the better say to me yeah but I had to, I had to grow in that journey you know what I mean and then they played a massive part in that yeah absolutely you mentioned about the Milk Cup earlier on how did that play a big part in your journey starting out it, to be fair it, it was massive you know I as I said I travelled for the, the Milk Cup when I was 
for the under fourteen team, and I never got it, and it was it was quite disheartening to be fair. You know, I got turned away the first training session, mm-hmm. and it was a wee bit disheartening. But then the, the next year after, I went and tried out again for the older team, the year above the under sixteen team, mm-hmm. and lucky enough, the manager then, Sammy McFigger, kept selecting me, and I kept getting through and through, and eventually made that team, and then. We went down, we did quite well. We played Porto and a couple of other big teams. John O'Neill and stuff was in that in that team as well, you know. So he's so character, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah, Sean and saying he's brilliant for our changing room and a top goalkeeper as well. Yeah, you know. So it was handy, but I knew Sean went to my school as well, so I knew Sean, which helped a bit. Right. But then, as I was saying, so that was a year above me. But whenever I then. Came back and played me the year after them when I joined Linfield at my own age group. It actually did seem a wee bit, I wouldn't say easy, but it was a wee bit easier because I was kind of used to playing with them boys who were a wee bit bigger, yeah. more physical and everything else. But then when I, I went and joined Linfield the following year, I did find it a wee bit easier to go there. Yeah, and mentally so, you get that little bit more experience as well. You talked about the physicality, but mentally you kind of get that year's more sharpness in the game too. Yeah, well, that's it. Even for me, as I saying, it was quite daunting for me to, to pick up that phone to join Linfield. If I didn't go to that Mill Cup where County Under, I would never have did that. Mm-hmm. So if I never went, to, if I never got the chance to go to the Mill Cup, then I probably won't be sitting talking to you now, you know, because yeah. I also felt that through me as a footballer as well. Yeah, and it helped me a lot. And so many great players have played in that Mill Cup, haven't they, and gone on to have really interesting careers. Yeah, it's a shame. I don't think it's actually going anymore. Yeah, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's a shame because you know you'd all the big clubs that send all their their best players till it. You know you you read us so many the Man United players all come through it, and there's Barcelona players have played in it, and you know all the best players around the world have actually uh, uh, played in that competition. Who were the guys that helped you settle into Linfield players? More importantly, well, whenever. Whenever I started getting around the senior team, you know, at that time, that, that team was unbelievable. That was the year after the clean sweep year was the year I started breaking in. So you had the, you had the likes of Noel Bailey, Wendy Murphy, Paul McAreevy, Michael Gold was there. You know, I could keep writing them off. There were so many of these top players. And to be fair, every one of them were lovely fellas as well. Yeah. You know, I, I went into that change room and I wasn't treated any differently or anything like that so they all help me out in their own ways so I'm still friendly now with a lot of them you know I'm still good friends with Michael Gold I work with Paul McAreevy so you know all them boys took me under their wing and they all helped me out when you're working with these guys away from football is it, an, is it a good time to talk about football or do you just talk about other things because I get the feeling that you know when it's business it's time for actual working but when it's time for football it's time for that. Well, well to, to be fair, Paul McGreevy is now the assistant manager at Glenavon. Right. So whenever we're in, in our, our shop together, you know, that's kind of all we, we do. By any chance we get, that's all we do talk about, you know. Yeah. All we do is talk about Irish League football. But saying it's great having, you know, saying I went early and started breaking in when I was 18 years of age and I still be friends with these guys now. Yeah. It's still pretty good. You mentioned Winky Murphy there. He's a guy that has so many stories in the Irish League. What's he like as a person to have played alongside? Yeah, Winky's a bit of a character, you know, and he's. <laughs> I'm sure he, he'd have his first share stories to tell you if you got him on. But you know, you couldn't meet a nicer fella to be fair. And you know, you're always you always seen Winky playing, and you know he's this big, 
hard man and but see when you see it, meet these guys in real life they're so nice and they, they couldn't be nicer and looking after you and you know it's everything you will want in, 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 in teammates yeah absolutely a, a, a fine guy as well and of course very much doing well with Oren Kearney at Coleraine at the moment isn't he really yeah, a great job I played, I played with Oren as well and that, I think he made it was only a year when a year or two and then and then he moved on because he picked up a few bad injuries you see so he, he uh, his career came a wee bit shorter but you know these are all great lads and it's no surprise they're, they're doing well down at Coleraine you would have played alongside guys like Glenn Ferguson and Peter Thompson as well wouldn't you yeah yeah well as I said they were coming Spike was coming till the, the end of his Linfield career too maybe I played a year or two with him mm-hmm. maybe two three years and then Peter got his move to Stockport mm-hmm. and then came back so I played a wee while with him as well mm-hmm. but no way I think it's Marshall Gillespie on on Twitter has been putting out the stats and I've just seen one the other day the 90 goals between them the, the clean sweet year yeah. which is ridiculous Marshall's superb I've had Marshall on the show he's absolutely fantastic a real yeah. stats guru of this unbelievable one of the things in this Linfield story is the, the story of David Jeffrey. I mean since I started following the Irish League for me, he's the maestro of the game. He's he's up there with one of the best guys in the Irish League. You've obviously played under him. What's he like? Uh, Davy's brilliant, to be fair. You know, I love Davy, and every player's played for him will say the exact same thing. You know, I, it can sometimes set Davy apart from everyone else's. He, he, he actually does he cares for you you know when you're his player he will back you to the hilt and he'll do everything he can to help you personally and, and that's that's quite a that's a nice thing to have in a manager you know his man management of all his players is is something different to be fair now. was he working with Brian McLaughlin at the time or did they come later in the, part, in the partnership that you were there no them, them two have been working together mm-hmm. from, from yeah. when David yeah, he's some character in the game as well because everybody talks about DJ but, but Brian McLaughlin's played a big part in their run too yeah Brian's same Brian and Davey's been the guy from the start so anything that Davey's achieved a lot of that's down to Brian as well you know both yeah. of them are a pair and as you're saying Brian is a character he, he, he's an our guy who you could get on here and you, you might get a word in because all he does is talk 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 and talk so he, he's probably a perfect guest to have on for a podcast fantastic well I'll certainly uh, make that clear because I would like DJ on as well to be perfectly honest with you. in terms of coaching methods what style did David Jeffrey have I mean obviously you, you've played under him and Stephen Master. we'll come to talk about Stephen's tactics what was David's like at Linfield um, David was kind of well. That you see, you're still you're going back here seven, eight years ago. So even now, it's from his Bellamina team now. It's slightly different from the way we played. You know, we adopted that three-five-two and stuff at the minute for Bellamina. But at the time when we played, it was four-four-two every match, no matter what. And I want it was kind of. Old schoolish in the way, and then it was just take no chances at the back, squeeze teams high. And him and Stephen, to be fair, tactics ways are quite similar. It's old school football, and you know everyone's fit as a fiddle, and we're squeezing high, and we're trying to force teams into mistakes, and that's where we'll get our chances from. As a defender and a fullback, do you prefer to have that sort of a style where you you guys know what you're doing, and you know you can go forward at times, but at the same time you know when to just sit in and do your fair share of defending. No, yeah, it definitely helps. There's nothing worse when you're going out and everyone has these different ideas of how to play. It's better when everyone's 
on the same page and mm-hmm. where Davey definitely got that because he, he, you know they make everything simple for you and everyone knows their job mm-hmm. and I was just saying everyone was fit as a fiddle so even whenever as me as a fullback I went forward there's plenty of boys there who were mm-hmm. able to cover for you and do whatever else you know, to help you out yeah absolutely and, and we mentioned some of the teammates that you played alongside at Linfield I mean as you're growing through the squad um, who were you more impressed by over your time at the club See, to be honest, I, I hold all these guys in a, in a pedestal, like, because at that time, the Linfield team was, you know, the best team about. They were winning everything, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the players that were playing there, in my opinion, are the, the, the best players that I've ever seen because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was so young and I was looking up to all these guys, so I, I was always thinking these guys are brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, even at Whenever I was starting to play a wee bit more, it was me and kind of Jim Irvin who was battling for the right back position. And and even the, like he's one of the best pros I've ever seen. And me, I've le- I learned so much even just watching him. And even though we were kind of competing for the same spots, he would help me out. I would try and help. Not that I could help him out much, but you know he was always there for a bit of advice whenever I needed. And saying the whole the whole team was like that. And. Even the likes of Edie O'Kane, Stephen Douglas, still Jimmy Mulbrugger, who was playing. Yeah. You know, the whole, I could literally name 20 players and every one of them were brilliant. You mentioned Stephen Douglas there. I get the impression he was one of the guys that had the best crack in the dressing room. Yeah, and him, him and Mikey are best mates, so that kind of tells its own story yeah. and, and it's in their own way. But, you know, I'd like to see again, some of the stories they would have on a night out, my goodness. Yeah, I don't think you can put them out in the podcast to be honest. But as then, as mad as these two guys are, they're 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 top pros. Of drugs. <laughs> but but once it comes to football, then you know it's all it's all business, yeah. and and that's the way you, that's the way you need them to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Jamie Mulgrew as well. I mean, he's just made six hundred appearances for Linfield this season. How big a presence has he been in Linfield's story? Jimmy, Jimmy's been massive for Linfield to be fair and saying he, he's been there a good way now what's this 12, 13 years or whatever it is you know even through their years where they weren't as successful there for a wee period you know he was still the main man and he was carrying them a wee bit and even and now they're successful again he's still carrying the team so he deserves a lot of credit for, for what he's achieved at Linfield you know staying at the one club for that length of time mm-hmm. you know it, it, it is a it is quality in its own right, like absolutely. And Linfield have been blessed with so many great strikers as well. We, we've talked about some of them as well. But Andy Waterworth's another guy whose journey is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's, whenever you see the stats of Andy's goals per game for Linfield, it's it's actually scary. And it, funny enough, like the older he's got, it's, he's actually turned into a better striker. You know, he was younger. He was. I'm sure you'll not like me saying this, but he was obviously quicker when he was younger, and you know that was his main threat. But mm. the older he's got, he's changed his game now completely, and he's he's more of a, a poacher. And the 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 type, different types of goals he scores now is just his quality. To be fair to him now, like yeah, absolutely. In that defence at Linfield, obviously you need a really strong understanding at the back, but you also need a very strong goalkeeper as well. And when Linfield were at their best, I think Johnny Tuffy was in between the sticks, wasn't he, for a period? And there was a few others as well. What, what was your thoughts on the, the Linfield goalkeepers at the time you were there? Well, the, whenever I was there, whenever I was first breaking in, it was Alan Manis. Right. He was the goalkeeper there. Mm-hmm. And he was 
he was unbelievable to, and he ended up getting the move to Shamrock and then he was in Scotland and now he's back down south again yeah you know he's one of the best goalkeepers in recent history in the excellent RC. at St Johnston excellent at St Johnston in my, in my opinion one of the one of the best goalkeepers in the Scottish Premiership when he was around yeah he, he was flying in Scotland there for a while too and saying there's not too many people but would talk bad about him either you know and the, he was one of the best pros that I played with as well you know whenever we were full time at Linfield you know we, we had our gym days and a couple of boys like myself and Michael Galtnall were not we're not gym people like so we were going and taking the piss a wee bit where he's walking about <laughs> with his clipboard and all his stats what he's left and what he what he has to do and really serious when it came to that sort of that part of the game and to be fair it worked out for him you know he yeah. got his move and, and he's excelled and he had a great career with it you mentioned that you weren't a big gym fan are you not are you admitting that you're not one of the best trainers then <laughs> no I, I don't mean the football side of things but once it comes to the gym that's just a, a no-go for me yeah. like a, a, everyone's there and they're, they're taking it serious where I'll just be sitting in the corner on my phone or <laughs> something else. I can't think anything worse than getting in the gym and left them waste. Well, it's not for me. I've never been to a gym in my lifetime, and you know I oh. probably need to. So <laughs> it is for it. Each their own. Like some their own. some people don't. So I'm just unfortunately one of them people that can't take to the gym. Let's talk about playing at Windsor Park because I often feel watching Linfield when they're playing matches at Windsor Park in a stadium where you know it's not often full, unless obviously Northern Ireland are playing matches on the international stage. Is that a disadvantage to to you guys when you were playing at the time? No, no, not really. Because you still had the, the biggest support in in the league. You know what I mean? There's still two two to three thousand people there every mm. game. And and to be fair, whenever things weren't going well, you could hear them. Like yeah, yeah. they were quite noisy and, and let you know what they thought. But they demand so much, don't they? Because Linfield, as I mentioned earlier on, they're always been renowned as a successful club that just keep shunning out the titles. Well, well, that, well, that's it. You know, fans get used to winning, and then when you see periods of not winning, you know, they can get frustrated pretty quickly. And it's, I say, that's not Linfield fans. That's all football fans around the world. You know, that's just the nature of the game. But you know, playing playing at Windsor Park mm-hmm. was brilliant. Whenever, whenever I was there, you know, I was a wee bit younger. I could run about the big pitch, so I, I loved it. Yeah, not so much now. That I'm thirty one and can't run as much <laughs> no more. But. Back, back then, I, I used to love it because I could run up and down up the big open pits all day. One of the questions I wanted to ask you as well, you mentioned earlier on in this chat that you sort of started out as the centre half, but then as your career's developed, you moved out to full back. When did that yeah. moment sort of happen in your journey? Was it early on or was it midway through your season yeah. at Linfield? Yeah, well, I, I mean, in the first two games for Linfield, I played centre half, but, you know, I was the... My debut was on the, the day that lifted the league title against Crusaders. So it was the last game of the season. David put in a load of the boy, the young boys in. And then I played one of the, the cup games the following season. But then I didn't play again for an hour year or so. And then the club at that time were struggling. We did a load of injuries. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a lot of injuries about the club. And we, we basically had no defenders. So David had no more choice. And he threw me in the right back. So it was basically my third game, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Davey put me in the right back. And 
I played quite well and, and I've never really looked back from then to be fair now. And as a full back do you look at developing your game by looking to other teams in other leagues like say for example Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool or other players like that or do you just fully concentrate on just your game at your pace? Uh, for me personally I I didn't really watch too many other players I just kind of worked in my own game and training and with the other boys of St. Jim Irvin whoever else you know you just worked hard in training at your your own yeah. craft and that was it I, I wouldn't be a big big football fan so I wouldn't it's, I'm not a, the type of person to go and watch and study as you're saying Trent or any other fullback and sit and watch I them I just picked him Trent. as an example but you know I know that's, that, that's just not me I'm, I'm not a big, mm-hmm. big big football fan I, I don't watch loads of football games so the game, is, the game I, has changed a lot now and I just wondered if you kind of had to adapt your own game because of that uh, funny enough I was having this conversation the other night at train last night at training uh, even Jory Versailles was saying like the the Premiership fullbacks, I think, get it a wee bit easier now. Where mm. you don't have the typical wingers running at you and bait, trying to beat you and taking you down the lane and whatever else. I think now once they get one on one, we're fullback, mm-hmm. they cut back in and pass it inside. Yeah. So our game in our league is completely different from the Premiership, where you still have those wingers kind of running at you and sure. running in behind you and everything else. So. Uh, or uh, me as a fullback or any fullback in our league they can't relate to any fullback in the Premiership in my opinion because yeah. it's a completely different game No it's an interesting take I just thought I should ask that question because I just wanted to see yeah. how the dynamics have changed Your your yeah. honours list at Linfield Billy is, is fantastic three Northern Irish League titles uh, three Irish Cups um, when Linfield are winning silverware um, it's fantastic isn't it? Uh-huh. No, I, I've been quite fortunate, you know, I've played for uh, great teams, you know, I came the Crusaders at the right time, you know, and I, I broke through the Linfield squad at the right time, you know, as I said, all those magical players were already, so it was great to be part of all that there, and y- y- you, can't, you can't not like winning, you know, it's something you, you, you can't get not get used to you know you love it and it's something you want to do every every match you want to win every match you want to win every trophy and I've been quite lucky in my career that every team I've played for mm-hmm. they've had that same mentality so mm-hmm. saying I've been quite quite fortunate that I've played for two great clubs and had a few different great teams you know within that yeah absolutely do you have any personal matches or moments from your time at Linfield that you look back on with, with memories um the Linfield one was um, one of the, the, my best moments there was actually one of my first I think it was like my third or fourth game we were away to Dungannon and I scored it was my first senior goal and I scored in the last kicky game the snatches a draw where we get beat 1-0 and I scored in the, basically the last kick of the game they get us one each and I was saying I was 18, 19 at the time whatever age it was and you know scoring that goal and hearing the fans and you know the feeling of that was was unreal to be fair from a personal point of view that you know that was great and Dungannon is one of the toughest places to go in the Irish League isn't it the guys at Stangmore do a really good job and you know I watched Dungannon and they're one of these teams that you know you have to play well to beat them yeah saying, saying earlier I've been quite fortunate that I've always I've played for two great clubs that were always up there challenging but yet I've never been down to Dungannon Swifts and, and had a, an easy game. You know, every game you go down there is always tough and it's always a battle. And, you know, if you get anything from there, you have, you're, you have to earn it. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of 
Linfield, and we'll obviously talk about this with Crusaders, but when you're going into Europe, um, obviously as the, the champions of your own country and you know representing the club on the, the European stage, how great a feeling is that to hear the Champions League music and you know competing in these matches? What is it like? <laughs> It's 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 brilliant to be fair. You know, we're really fortunate. You know, there's players that are maybe too good for our league, and they'll move over to England. And there's boys that have played their whole careers in Championship and even Premiership, yet they've never experienced a European game. You know, so we're quite fortunate to be if you're if you're good enough in the league that you get to play a couple every time every year. You know, so to be able to play in those European games. I love it. It's one of my favourite parts of the year, you know, because saying you get to go and you live the dream a wee bit, you, mm-hmm. you travel to all these different countries and you, you're treated like a professional footballer and saying that uh, as a kid, that's what you always dreamed of. So for me, it's it's one of the, the better things yeah. that, that look back on. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I was just having a look at uh, one of your matches and uh, you ended up playing Rosenborg in uh, one of the years that you've won it. I mean, Rosenborg, you know, have always seemed to have played against Northern Irish clubs in the past, haven't they? Uh, it's been a bit strange, because when, when I, we played them one year and then I think maybe like three of the next two years, Crusaders actually get through against them. Mm, that's right. So, they, so, but at that time, Rosenborg were regulars in the Champions League and Europa League so yeah. I think they only beat us 1-0 or 2-0 maybe two nil, in, two two in the two so league was 0-0 in the first leg and 2-0 in the, the return I, I, actually, I actually remember it now because we, we were 0-0 at Windsor and we went out there and we, we brought Bram McCall who was playing I think he might have been playing left wing at the time Yeah, he should have scored quite early on for us <laughs> and, he, and he missed it and then Eventually, they end up scoring the two goals and they beat us 2-0. But, you know, we, we give them as good as we got, to be fair. And saying if, if we would have scored that goal at the time, you never know what would have happened. And then the following year, you ended up playing Bati Borisov, another side who have obviously been kicking the door of the Champions League and obviously European football more recently. Yeah, I think it may have been that, that year or it was the year after that they then made the, the group stages and they were drawn against... Barcelona and AC Milan, I think. Yeah, I'm just actually having a look at this now. They actually ended up playing Barcelona, Milan, and Victoria Pilsen of the Czech Republic. So, uh, yeah, I remember being on social media at the time going, oh, I could have been us playing Barcelona and, and AC Milan stuff. Them <laughs> boys were load of levels ahead of us and you know it was just great to be out there playing them just to be honest but that's that moves on to a really interesting question because when you go out and you play these teams on the European stage even though you maybe don't win is it a kind of realisation of this is the level we need to aspire to get at and we need to just keep on improving and turning that wheel and just keep going yeah well you know you have to be realistic too you're not going to go out and beat these top European teams all you can do is Oh, but yeah, that's it. And and to be fair, my time at Linfield, I can never really remember getting embarrassed by any teams. And we always give give those European teams a good a good go at Windsor. Yeah. You know, I can't remember ever getting beat heavily at Windsor or anything like that. There, it was always the away games when you go out there it can be a wee bit different. Yeah, yeah. Right, we only were ever beat comfortably once. I think Randers made it beat us. Yeah, A.L. Limassol like, beat you guys three nil, I think, in twenty twelve, uh, twenty eleven, twenty. Yeah, that I was I was out there. That was one of the worst experiences mm-hmm. I've ever played in Europe because. They, they battered us and it was Cyprus and it was so warm and 
uh, it was horrendous out there to be fair <laughs> you know the, the heat was beating down on you and you thought you were going to faint 10 minutes in the match and they just kept coming and coming and coming and coming well, as, an, well, to get out here well as an Aberdeen fan I know um, Cypriot football quite well because Apollon Limassol played Aberdeen a few years ago and we won the game 2-1 at Pataudry but lost the game 2-0 over on Cyprus so I, I feel your pain in that regard <laughs> I, think, I think we're 3-0-0 he did. Bad winter that yeah. year as well, eh? Yeah. But the same, the tie was already dead, so it was. But no, out there, out there was ridiculous, so it was. Would, how would you sum up your time at Linfield? Because obviously, as I mentioned, you know, three league trophies, three Irish Cups, some European memories. It sounded like a great time you had there under DJ. No, I was saying I, I loved every minute of it up until the day I left. You know. Uh, you go over and you win three leagues and three Irish Cups. I've made, made some friends that are still my friends now and that they'll be the, my friends the rest of my life. So uh, for me, it was a great time and, and something to look back on and were fond memories. So what instigated the move to Crusaders? It was... So when the year I left was the year David had said he was leaving mm-hmm. and then that's my contract that was running out at the end of that season as well. Right. And then... Kind of the closer I got, then they brought in, they were bringing in Warren Feeney mm-hmm. as the new manager, and then I met were born and, and the board, and breaking into too much detail about it, they, they didn't, mm-hmm. they, I don't, I got the faith that they didn't really want me. But, they, but so, you fancied a new challenge? Well, at the time, I didn't, I was, I was, I didn't really want to leave, you know, at that time I was still in love with the club, and I, never wanted to leave mm-hmm. you know I wanted to stay here as long as I could but saying football, football's football at the end of the day and that's things I guess happen and you know the, the meetings didn't go too good and whenever obviously word got about Stephen had rang me and it said look we want to send you so I went and met with Stephen and Stephen sold the club club to me at that time and everything he said yeah. You know, it's what I wanted to hear. Because it's a really big um, moment, isn't it? Making the move to, to join one of the, your Belfast rivals in Crusaders. You know, it's a, it's a it's a big move at the time. Yeah, no, as I've said earlier, I, I like being comfortable. I like knowing where, where I'm at. So, all those years back, when I lifted the phone to join Linfield, it was a big, big moment for me personally. And then leaving Linfield there was the exact same, you know, taking that gamble on leaving and saying that was a big decision for me and saying I can remember, I can still remember it now, you know, I didn't sleep for two weeks, right. you know, my head was just going crazy and I didn't sleep a wink for two weeks yeah. and uh, eventually when I said I met Stephen and he did make it a lot easier because he was telling me everything that I wanted to hear mm-hmm. and he did make it a lot easier to sign for him. Yeah, and let's talk about Stephen Baxter because obviously um, you're now playing under him and have done for, for quite a few years now, Billy. What is he like as a guy? Because I've watched the Keeping the Faith documentary. I watch a lot of Northern Irish League games and what I get with Stephen Baxter is something that we said right at the very beginning of this podcast, leadership and winning mentality. Yeah, that's... But that's Stephen in a nutshell, to be fair. You know, him, him and Davy are, are similar in the way that they go about the game and how they play, how they want their teams to play. But, you know, Steve, Stephen's a winner himself and saying 
everything he does he, he wants to win and you know we have a table tennis table or <laughs> see this table on Instagram at Seaview <laughs> and even when he joins in and that he wants to win and he tries to join in and train him albeit he can't move no more but <laughs> right <laughs> question I have to ask who's the best table tennis player at Crusaders that, that's, that's up for debate now to be fair because there's, there's plenty of boys that think they're the best I can tell you who the two worst is though go on then so, so, Bill Laurie and Michael Ruddy are the two worst. I know that. <laughs> They're going to kill you for this when this comes out. <laughs> uh, a lot of boys are, are quite good. Now everyone has their moments. and You know, boys are quite handy now with the puddle. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's great, though, that you have things like this in your training facility so that you can maybe not switch off completely from football, but sort of relax yourself before big games of ice that, that you definitely you need stuff like that in, in about the club because even in the old CV before the new clubhouse was built we had a, a pool table there mm-hmm. and before every match we had a, met a wee bit early and you know we, we all had a few games of pool yeah so you're thinking about the game all week you know it does no harm taking half an hour out of thinking about football you know in the, in the lead up to this stuff because you need to get the head a bit of as well, no. I've seen some great banter on Instagram between James Madison and uh, Wilfred Ndidi because I know they like their pool as well. So it's good to know that there's some club rivalry as well that that is friendly but competitive too. No, you should see it. See up in our our room there before our games when the boys get going with the table tennis. It's it actually it's crazy at times. Like you know, you've boys jumping about, running about, going mad, and the manager sitting looking down at us, and you just have to be careful now and again. How have Crusaders developed as a club on and off the pitch? Because obviously we mentioned about the, the keeping the faith documentary and how they've developed, and it's sort of seen in that regard. But obviously, as a player who has played during that period and been still very much involved with that. I mean, Crusaders as a club have, have exponentially gone up, haven't they? Yeah, well, I've seen, I've only joined there maybe six, seven years now mm-hmm. and I've came at the more successful end of the end of the stuff here, but saying Stephen keeps reminding us uh, whenever he first took over, you know, they didn't even have footballs to train and they were training in the dark and saying they were running out in the roads because there's no facilities to train in you know that's the, the sort of place where the club was at back then and to be from where they were then to where they are now you know it, it, it is a small miracle and, and Stephen to be fair to him has a lot to play in that there yes. and uh, the likes of the board and the supporters and stuff like that so to be where they are now from where they were is crazy and they're, they're definitely heading in the right direction and we're still working on the, the full-time aspect of things, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, it's never going to be perfect and it's going to take time to, mm-hmm. to, to, to get it right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they keep keep doing it and keep plugging away and eventually it will, it will pay off and saying it's only, it's only going to be better for the, the club and the league as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the, the professionalism of the clubs from the outside looking in seems to have improved tenfold since I started watching it in 2015 and that's only in five years I've watched it you've obviously played the game from much further back you must have seen a massive change yeah but, but to be fair I've been quite quite lucky and lucky in my career that Linfield were always kind of that benchmark mm-hmm. they were always the most professional probably still are and you know that's where every club was kind of wanting to get to so I've always been quite lucky that from the day I started playing senior football 
it has been quite professional. So I've never experienced, you know, the, the other side of the Irish League, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thankfully. And uh, the same when I first came, the Crusaders there was there was a big gap in professionalism, but you know it's definitely up there up there now beside them and. You're saying it's it's only going to be good for the whole league. It's it's quite frankly fantastic to, to see, and it's 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 really showing in how good the league has been over the last few seasons. Very very competitive. Yeah, and you're seeing more teams going for it now. You know, you've been torn that are I think are full time. Eight horse race every season, pretty much. <laughs> it's crazy. But was it was it last year? The year before it was it was the most. Well, point, I remember listening to Totally Football Show when I was talking about this, and apparently there was five teams going for the title, and it was separated by three points. I think. Yeah, yeah I can remember saying it's crazy, and saying it's only it's only going to benefit the league, and you know the supporters are obviously will obviously love it as well as a player. Mm-hmm. I would like to run away from the league quite early. <laughs> I'm sure the fans are loving it and even the media and whoever else talking about it is far better to see than maybe one, even two teams just run the wayward every year. You know, it always used to be. Yeah. It used to be always Glen Torn and Linfield mm-hmm. with the two teams that ran away. And but, put it down as yeah. well, obviously, when they were at their peak. Well, everyone had their, their, wee, their wee shots at it, you know, Port it down and, and Clinwell and whatever else. But, you know, the main two were always Linfield and Glen Torn. But mm-hmm. saying the recent history now, there's five, six clubs can all win it, yeah. which is great. It's fantastic, isn't it? And one of the things I wanted to ask you is when you stepped into CV for the first time, of your teammates that you have worked with over your time at the club, who kind of settled you in and, and made you feel at home? Well, I said, I, it's, it's strange. I said, I don't, I've only ever played for three teams my whole life, so it was, it's strange going from one change room into another. You know, whenever I was playing against these boys, you're, you're, you're looking at them and you you don't really like them and you know people are different people are different people on the pitch basically and you're playing against Colin Coates Sean O'Neill and Daglin Goodell and you're going I don't know if I can play with these guys but from the minute you step into the changing room it's completely different and they all welcome you and you know saying Sean O'Neill have known years Daglin's actually a relation to mine me and him are cousins so mm-hmm. yeah so I, I did know them mm-hmm. but joining them going into the change room every day with him you know they do help you settle in and they're all great lads he, he might might want to listen to this bit because I actually think Declan Cadell is one of the most underrated players in the, the Irish Premiership I think he's a, a no-nonsense player he does the simple things well maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves sometimes yeah Declan gets a lot of uh, banter off everyone even us included you know we'll always tell him he's crap but <laughs> In reality, though, every team needs a player like Daglin Goodell. The things that he's now achieved in his career, there's not many other players can say that did it. Yeah. Saying Daglin's been fantastic for Crusaders and saying he's did everything. If there's a player that you would want in your team, it's Daglin Goodell. You know he's going to give 100% every single time. Yeah. And you need these guys in your team and, and they, they enable you to win. In the first season or so since you joined the club, uh, Crusaders won the Irish Premiership title, and that was really the sort of first real season I started following the club. What was that like? That journey to go and be successful? Because when you're when you haven't won a, a Premiership for for such a long period of time, you know there could be a lot of stress, there could be a lot of tension, there could be a lot of nerves. How did you kind of keep yourself calm, but also tell yourself? It's in our hands. We just need to play what we can do, and we will get this done. Yeah, 
at that time when I joined, there was Porter Port Down had made a good few signings. They signed a few boys from from the the Linfield as well. You know, Goldie, Mark McAllister, Robert Garrett. You know, all these guys had joined Porter Down. So they they were kind of sneaking up there as kind of favourites along where where Linfield and and Clinton, who were just coming off the back That's of their right. league titles. <clears throat> so we were kind of under the radar a wee bit, to be fair, and we just quietly went about our business. And then it was around December time we beat Portadown. It was January, December, January, whenever it was, we beat Portadown five nil at Seaview. And then from then, I think we kind of went into the top of the league, and then. Mm-hmm. There was no looking back from her. We just kept ticking them off. We were winning, winning, winning. And I said, no one was really talking about us at that time. Mm-hmm. It, it helped us out a wee bit as well. And then, same from the end on in, we were, we're unstoppable. As part of a successful team, how important is it to have a strong defence? And obviously, Sean O'Neill, you've mentioned very vividly as well. You know, how crucial is it to have that consistency across the backline? It's, it's important. You know, if. You, you know the old cliche saying it's strikers can win you cups, but it's defenders that win you leagues. And at that time, it was it was Sean O'Neill and Nats who, who, who was brilliant. And then you'd myself at right back, you'd coach with either Davy McGowan or Josh Robinson in beside him, and then Craig McLean left back. And that didn't really change all year. It was mm-hmm. us five, six in there every single game, and I saying. It really does help you along because you you always know if you keep a clean sheet, yeah, you're you're going to win more often than not because the, the strikers at that time mm-hmm. were always going to score at least one goal, so we knew if we did our job. We will win more than we lose. We, we've spent 49 minutes talking about your own journey and, and some of the things, but one of the, the ingredients I love about Crusaders is some of the players that have continuously popped up with important goals. You mentioned, obviously, Colin Coates, but one guy I really admire from the outside looking in is Jordan Owens. What's he like to, to play alongside? Jordan's, Jordan's brilliant. You know, he's one of them players that I was talking about when you're playing against them. You know, I, I used to mark him a wee bit because obviously I'm a defender yeah. and he's an attacker. He used to jump in the and hit your elbows and you're just like, oh, see us big, whatever. But then once you're in the changing room, him, you know, he's the nicest fella about, quiet big fella, just quietly goes about his business. But then when he's on that football pitch, mm. he just turns into a different animal. Yeah. And like saying we're talking about Andy Waterworth and even Joe Gormley, you know, he's right up there beside them. Yeah. You know, for, for the best striker this last 10 years or whatever it's been. Yeah. You know, Saying it, so much is of Crusaders' success mm-hmm. has been down to him to be to be realistic, like yeah, and the way he's developed his game has been absolutely outstanding from from my point of view. I think he's been really really good. Obviously, you win the the Irish Premiership that season, um, and then the following season you go and back that up when you're defending champions and you're trying again to defend your tra- the, your title. Is it easier or harder? Oh, it's it's, de- it's definitely harder, you know. It, it, everyone says, you know, it's easy getting the top, but it, it's staying there is the, is the hard part. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, trying to retain it is 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 very difficult. And again, that but to be fair, that second year, then we were we were unbelievable that year as well. And yeah, just having a look at the stats here, Billy, ninety-one points that season. Crusaders had eight points. Above one of the record points. Then, just three defeats that season. Uh, no, we were very good that year as well. And I think as saying we just came, everyone just clicked there at the right time. And you know, you send the strike force of Paul Heatley and 
Jordan Owens and Gavin Wade and then with Carvel at the time and, and all these other boys you know, contributing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah Skimmer was, I, I'm actually remembering that Skimmer and, and Richard Clark were unbelievable for us at the middle of the park that yeah. year as well mm-hmm. yeah. you know so saying as a team those two years that four years kind of even though we lost the, the league the year after that those four years you know everyone was kind of in peak form and everyone was hitting their stride yeah absolutely I was just looking at the Crusaders defeats that season I think you had only one defeat at home against uh, Port of Town and your other two defeats um, I was just looking here I think it was Carrick away uh, and Linfield away yeah I think I think I remember the Carrick one I think we were 3-0 down yeah I watched the highlights of that the other day actually before we record this because we played them twice in quick succession I'm sure I think we played like three days I think we beat them 5-0 the first game That's right. so I think maybe our attitude wasn't right going down the second time mm-hmm. and after 20 minutes we were 3-0 down and you know it was it was just a bad night but yeah. same, I think the week after then we went out and won again so and the reason yeah, I remember okay. watching it that season because I'm pretty sure that was the season that they stayed up with the last kick of the ball from Miguel Chinez, the overhead yeah, kick. The, the overhead kick, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah. why I was doing my research for uh, preparation for this. But when you're a team, Billy, that's only conceded, you only conceded 28 goals that season, just three losses. And you're not going to, you're not going to lose many. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to win titles and silverware, aren't you? When you have a defence like that. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, you know, that's if you want to be successful in football. You know, you, you, you got to start on not conceding goals. I'm saying as long as you don't concede goals, you'll always you'll always get a couple of chances during the game to try and win it. So, saying the most important thing for me mm. is always if you keep clean sheets, if you build a good defence, you'll you'll be there thereabouts. Yeah, and I was just having a look as well. You also won the Ulster Footballer of the Year that season as well. I mean, what a fantastic yeah. accolade! Yeah, no, it was a good year for me personally, and. Uh, as I said, we were all kind of hitting our stride at that time. You know, that second year, retain the league. Everyone was fantastic. And it could have been any mm-hmm. number of players, to be fair. And thank, well, luckily they picked me out of the hat. So, no, I was very grateful and honoured to win that there. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is down to the boys around you as well. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Gavin White there. And as I wanted to ask you about Gavin, because obviously he's gone across the Warriors ripping it up a whole city as we speak what have you made of his progression as a player it, 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 was, it was like it's a wee bit strange because I'm looking back at it like I was an older player and he was only young breaking through where it was always kind of me was the young lad you know coming through but watching him progress year on year out it, it was it was brilliant and I can, I can always remember having whenever I joined Crusaders uh, after a week or two training it's Michael Carvel, who was a friend of mine from Linfield, a good friends now, and he had rang me, and we were just talking football, and he was asking who who impressed me in the Crusaders team. He was still at Linfield at the time, and I can remember saying Chris Morrow, and then there's a, a young lad called Gavin White. I, I said he's going to be a star. I didn't think he would have been as high as what he is now, yeah. playing for Northern Ireland and everything else. But you could tell from then that. He was going to be a good player, like. And and the great thing about the Northern Irish League, and I've said this to so many people, is that people in that league can go on to have successful careers. And people like White and Stuart Dallas, obviously at Leeds, have been part of that Crusaders product, and it's it's fantastic. It shows that you can reach the top if you put your heart into it and and everything to your energies. Yeah. No, it, it, I think it's 
again personally I think it's actually better to learn your trade in the Irish League and then maybe go over the England if you're good enough when you're slightly older because you, you you read all the time about the stats of the boys from, from Northern Ireland going over to England and when they're 16, 15, 16 and like 98% of them come back home again by the time they're 19 mm-hmm. but then when you look at the stats of the boys that have played Irish League for a few years and then went over you know a lot more of them have actually stayed there Yeah. so it's probably better a pathway mm-hmm. uh, to get your move across if you, if you do stay and learn your trade you know because you're here and you're playing you're playing big boys football from an early age yeah. and if you're good enough you'll, you'll get picked up yeah absolutely and I think that's really fantastic and a testament to Gavin's own dedication and determination that he really is doing well I mean I'm recording this on the 19th of January and of course tonight he's also just scored for Hulse which is yeah, fantastic yeah, I, know, that I was buzzing there when I seen that online that he yeah. scored so yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be I've retweeted it and shared that as well I thought it was fantastic the third league title for Crusaders is the one that I really really paid close attention to because obviously I was a lot more experienced than falling the league by that stage that season Cole Rain were breathing down your necks for most of the campaign. They'd only lost one game all season. But Crusaders found a way to win that title by two points. I mean, what was that experience like, knowing that Coleraine, the, the, you, everyone was sort of saying, oh, they'll maybe fall away and you know they'll have a bad run. But it never happened, did it? No, to be fair to them, they were, they were unbelievable that year. And I think they ended up winning the Irish Cup and stuff too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And... Saying it, it, it can be a wee bit frustrating, you know. I think we got whenever we got in the top spot, you know, we were winning and winning and winning, and then you're coming in, you're checking the results, and you're seeing Nemans winning and winning. When that can be a wee bit deflating as well, but no, to be fair to them, is they, they kept going and they kept going, and thankfully we ended up winning by two points. But you know, when you're you're in that position, and you know they were the kind of the newcomers at that stage, we had already kind of won two leagues and. We'd been there a wee bit, and then even the the media and whatever else, everyone talking about it, everyone likes the underdog and the new team coming through. So everyone was kind of hoping Coleraine wins the league. Mm-hmm. But to be fair to our boys, you know, it's so great character mm-hmm. that we managed to get there and stay there and, and win the league. I spoke about this to Colin Coates, and he said pretty much exactly what you, you said there. And Obviously, it's quite interesting, the story of Crusaders going to Palomino on the final day. Yeah. The previous season, it, you guys lost 3-0. And then the following season, to go there and kind of exercise some demons and win that game to, to lift the title, that must have been a great feeling. Yeah, to be fair, it was massive. Because the year before, we've been down there with the league on the line and we were beat comfortable. And then this year, or that year, sorry, we've been down again and... We actually started quite well. We missed a few chances, and you're going, "Oh, sugar, here we go again. This is going to happen." And then they score a goal, and it was, I think, if I'm remembering right, it was probably my fault that day as well. So I was like, head down. I was like, "Oh no, I've just cost us a league title here." Yeah. But then uh, was it one nil, and, and big Brian Jensen made a wonder save against, or was it one each at this stage? Mm-hmm. And he made a wonder save against Cam Branagh's header, and and it kind of spurred us on a wee bit and then obviously Phil Laurie scored and then David Cousley does what he did and he popped up and scored and you knowing that feeling for me mm-hmm. personally it was more relief yeah. you know you got it, you got that win and after me kind of being at fault for that goal as well I was just 
But thank God we won that game. Now I can go and enjoy the night and whatever else. We haven't even talked about Brian Jensen, but obviously his own career, you know, obviously being in the Premier League and then obviously coming over to Northern Ireland, that will have given you guys a lot of experience as well and also kept Sean and he only still is in goal because he was a pretty good keeper himself, Brian Jensen. Yeah, well, he's one of them boys I was talking about uh, when I'm saying about Europe. You know, he played in England his whole life and had never played a European game. And when he came to us, he was... He was buzzing that he got to play in the Europa League, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's the way you have to look at it. And big big Bram was was brilliant for us, and he's a good big character, lovely big mm-hmm. fella. And even though he was saying he played his whole career in England, you wouldn't have thought it the way he talked to you. He was just one of the one of the lads, and loved <laughs> loved the banter and everything else. And seeing him and and Doc at the time, and and Michael Doherty and then Sean O'Neill, the three of them together were brilliant. They all pushed each other on. But Sean was coming back from a an injury at that stage mm-hmm. so the same big Brian filled in a big hole for us and potentially won us that league with, you know that save always sticks in my head Cam Braniff at the back stick heading it in Brian reached back and nearly pulled it out of the net mm-hmm. yeah. and then we ended up Game, so I'm, sure I, I'm starting to visualise that save, and I know I, I, I don't have a strong recollection of it, but I, I know it was a, a crucial moment. And you obviously have said yeah. that. One of the guys that you also mentioned there, David Cushley, he he, he loves scoring cracking goals, does he? He doesn't do tappings. Yeah. What a moment! No. Yeah, saying that I was saying he came off the bench that day and and did what he does, and the, the, some of the, I give. If you put a highlight reel of his goals, you'd look at it and think he was Lionel Messi. Some of the goals yeah. he scored, it's ridiculous. Like, but saying he, he oh, for Crusaders anyway, he's, he's always had a knack of popping up at the right moment when we need him. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he's an underrated player for us, and, and someone who we're very grateful for that day. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. And then of course, win that season, and to get the opportunity to play Wolves in the Europa League, you know. Is yeah. that the pinnacle of your journey so far? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah. It's, in terms of prestigious the, teams to play in, I, I should have said. Yeah, even, even the trophies and all that I've won, you know, playing, playing the M2 games against Wolves, I don't think I'll ever beat that feeling. I'll never have it again, more than likely. So, yeah, that that's... Been probably my best moment in football. Yeah, I mean, the, I remember the game at Molyneux, and I was saying this to Colin Coates. I thought for much of that game, Crusaders put a really good performance in, and I thought if it finished 1 0, that would have been a great performance. And it was just unfortunate they got the same goal very late on because I thought at 1 0, you never know in the return game. Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly it. You know, same, leading up to that game, I, I remember me and Phil Laurie was rooming together at the time, and we were going for, we were back in our room that day, no going home that they're in the room to chill out before we were going ahead to Molyneux, and me and him were just sitting talking, and we were like, what are we doing here? We're going to play Wolves. They're a top Premier League team, we're going to get beat 8 9 nil or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Barst on TV, you know, that's what we were thinking. But, it was actually the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. When we, we played that match, every, every player was outstanding, albeit mm-hmm. we didn't offer anything really in attack. But mm-hmm. they still keep that level of a Premier League team. That it should have been what it should have been one 0 Silly mistake mix up between me and Sean at the end probably cost us the, the second goal. So to keep Emmons uh, even two 0 it, it was it was brilliant. Did you get anybody's shirt from the Wolves team uh, after that two games? I didn't, I didn't get anyone at Malmö, but when we were back at Seaview, 
to be fair, they, them boys were all really generous and and what do you call them? It's, it's slipping from my head. What do you call the wee midfielder? Nevis. No, the other the Moutinho. Yes, drawn a blanker. Moutinho came in the art change room. He came in the art change room and, and that actually handed his top to. He says the Andy's want this cup and Sean Ward went over and grabbed it. But Sean Ward already had one. So I talked to Moutinho's top off. He was chancing his luck at two. <laughs> and he was like, here, BJ, you can have that one. So I took that. And then we were over in the wee clubhouse where we were all eating. The Woosh boys were eating as well. Mm-hmm. I went over and I got my got him to sign the top and we got my, t- my picture taken beside him and stuff yeah. and he, he was top class to be fair and he had a load of time for all the boys yeah and, and Nuno Espirito Santo continues still as we record this to do a, a really good job at Wolves and you know you could just see the standard of the Premier League and it's great for a club like Crusaders to play that but we mentioned this very early on you know you obviously that's the level to aspire to but at the end of the day you've got to be kind of, you know, realistic. You know, you have yeah. to just play as well as you can and just hope that you have a, a, a goal or two yeah. like you did in the game at Seaview when you got the early goal. You never Yeah, know. but what's, that, that was the thing, you know, we're, we scored the, the goal at Seaview and uh, saying that's a, the best feeling I've ever had in a football, football match before, you know, it was, it was so high and, you know, for, for them 30 seconds, we were all thinking, we have, we have a wee chance here, we keep us at 1-0, and then we might sneak one during here at the end, but saying well, a minute later they run up and score, and you just went from so high to, mm-hmm. to so low. It was a wee bit strange, but saying just the experience of all that there it was saying a dream come true. You know that's what we all aspired to be when we were kids. We all wanted to be mm-hmm. professional footballers playing in the Premiership. Yeah, and for two games. We got to live out that dream. Was there ever a moment in your journey so far, Billy, where you had the opportunity to play in England, or has that never came? No, that's never never came about. There was a few, a few. I heard a few rumours when, whenever I was at Linfield, and a couple of teams were interested, but I was never told anything from board or from the manager or anything like that. I heard at one stage, I heard that Cheltenham were looking the same way, and then. A couple of years later, I heard Rangers were looking the same me, but right. saying no one ever told me. I think that would have been really good. I would, no one ever officially told me anything, or mm-hmm. so it was. It could have been all rumours and probably nonsense anyway. So yeah. no, not, nothing like that ever happened to me. No, you've won a couple of uh, County Antrim Shields as well, uh, and an Irish Cup. Now the County Antrim Shields is a really interesting story, especially the second one, because you play Linfield in the final three-one down. And then you turn that game around. I mean, I spoke to Colin Coates about this. I mean, what a turnaround that game was, and so much drama in horrendous conditions. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't think the game should have went ahead. To be fair, because you're literally kicking the ball as hard as you can, and it's going away up in the air and coming back, and it's landing right in front of you again. Mm-hmm. It was a. It was a crazy, crazy night, and same with we played it against the wind the first half and. We did all right, to be fair. We, we defended quite well, and you were always going to concede goals in that, in that mm-hmm. weather. And then, say in the second half, it was the complete opposite. All we had all the momentum going forward then, mm-hmm. and saying because it was Linfield that it was the same final. You know, to do it then, it, it, it was great. Colin Coates still blames you for that third goal because he said it's an old goal, but he says he hit it against you and it hit him and uh, it went in. It was it was Gale Force wins to be fair. Like you're just trying to get something on it, and 
that just happened to hit him right on the perfect spot that flew right in the Arnett but sure we end up winning so and it's if, all good and of course David Cushley ended up getting the winning goal and we talk about it again because he always seems to come up with big moments and there was another game I, I watched throughout your, your title winning season the third time round the 3-0 down at home to Cliftonville and then to turn that game around and win 4-3 I put this very recently in my top 10 favourite Irish Premiership games of the last 5 years I think it's fantastic that game that game was a bit a bit mad to be honest you know Clinville battered us for 70 minutes they were awesome we, we were so bad that day and Clinville absolutely battered us and and even like even me that day I was really poor that day and their players were giving me a load of chip and no winding you up and it wasn't like me either because I bit at it and I, I was so because I was so bad myself you know they, they got me actually angry and stuff and then we ended up winning 4th A and when we scored the, th- the fourth goal I was running over to the it was their striker at the time who was giving me tip during the game and then he got taken off when they were 3-0 up <laughs> and then we came back and went 4th A and I run over and celebrated in front of them and they're called the rat and everything but, and that's not like me at all but saying, it was just one of them crazy games where the emotions got the better of everyone and yeah. saying David they step saying big moments big players step up in big moments yeah. don't they and, they most certainly do, and that, that, as I said, that goes down as one of one of my top ten favourite games in the in the Irish League since I started following it. In terms of, we've talked about a lot of things on this podcast, and one I think I've really enjoyed is the battles that Crusaders have had with Linfield, Glentor, and Cliftonville, Coleraine more recently. If you come out on top of those jewels, you're you're pretty much going to win success in anything, aren't you? Yeah, well, it's it's a bit strange because you always say when the, the big games always kind of take care of themselves, the, the so-called player games. You know, it's the, the teams when you're away, Dungan and Carrick, no disrespect, but they're the games that you, you really need to, to be winning and they're the ones that you really need to focus on and make sure your attitude's right because saying them big games always look after themselves anyway. You know, you go to Coleraine and Linfield, etc. You, you know, well, we'll be we'll be in them games really, but it's the other games that you really need to win because then that's as you said that's what can separate you. Yeah, absolutely. At the, at the end, and then at the end of the season, where is the hardest place in the Irish league, in your opinion, to go and get a result? Um, obviously, Windsor Park is always difficult to go to, and same as the Oval, but probably more most recent is Korean is a tough tough place to go to. You know, they they have to really well down there in their home place the last few years so Korean's quite a difficult place to go to but I know it's it's easy saying this and whatever else but like literally every it seems like every away game in our league mm-hmm. is a tough game yeah. you know you say you don't like him down the don't get him you don't like him down the warm point as teams have seen this year absolutely you don't like him down you don't like going to Carrick you know it's basically every every away match is a tough game mm-hmm. and as I it's it's good for the league but as a player you like going a few games and, and winning 2 3 4 nil, you know comfortable but you don't get that no more yeah absolutely and I think that's a said that really is partly down to how great the, the league is and the professionalism and how it's improved uh, over the period of time you've come up against some unbelievable strikers PC midfielders in your time as a fullback Billy who's your toughest opponent you've come up against uh, in, in the Irish League in Paul Heatley, I can remember Paul Heatley. I think I've got taken off at half time twice in my career, and both times it was against Paul Heatley. So 
Paul Healy's de- he's definitely up there as, as one of the, the hardest players I've ever played against in, in Ari Seek terms. But then the, they produce so much good wingers. Lately, you know, you even David Cousy for a while, and then at the minute you're playing against Kirk Miller and Jordan Stewart and a few of those Linfield boys, you know, there's so many to name from. And then it was the. Who was the, the. What do you call him? It was a Glen Athen there. He just moved Josh to. Daniels. Yeah, he used to give me a hard time as well. You know, so many players saying as a fullback, every time you're fullback, a team always seems to have a tricky winger. Mm-hmm. And it can go one way or the other. Because <laughs> wingers are a wee bit of an enigma, aren't they? Sometimes they'll be 10 out of 10, and then the next game they'll be mm-hmm. a 2 out of 10. And whenever you get these guys and they're on their game, mm-hmm. they can make it a long old day for you. Like. Second last question, because obviously Crusaders have had some experience playing in the Scottish Ironbrook Cup in the past, and obviously coming from Scotland, I keep a, a watching brief on this. What was that experience like for a team like Crusaders playing in that competition? Because I always am keen to, to know. Um, we Personally, I, I loved it. Saying it's similar to the, the European games. You're, you're going to play against uh, better opposition you know, these are all full time guys full time footballers so to go and play against these teams I think was brilliant and I don't think it was a game that we went and we looked out of place either we always give a good account of ourselves I remember, I remember you guys giving in Vanessa real run for your run for your money as well up up in up in the Highlands I think it was 3-2 we were actually we were disappointed that day they, they, they went Stephen had changed the team about that, that week I think he addressed Paul Heatley and, and Gavin White and uh, they went 3-0 up mm-hmm. uh, quite early in the first half and then or, or was it or Jordan Owens so he, I think he brought on Gavin White and Jordan Owens at half time mm-hmm. and we, we got it back to 3-2 but you know we're, we're away to Scotland I can remember looking back thinking now and we're away up there and I'm pretty sure the refs were from up there as well I remember at the time thinking that there was a few dodgy decisions went against us that night. And if it Why wasn't it so <laughs> if there was a few better decisions made that went our way, I think we we want to come back and won that game. Mm-hmm. But, but it wasn't meant to be. But it's quite interesting because you mentioned there you didn't look out of place in that competition. And all, one of the questions that a lot of people always ask me is, where do I see the Northern Irish League in comparison to Scotland? And I would say probably the Championship League One is is probably Northern Irish League's level. Would you agree? I, I I don't know. I, I as I said, I'm not hypothetically a speaking. Hypothetically speaking, I don't see. I don't watch enough football to, to be able to compare it. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I know we played those championship teams in Scotland, and mm-hmm. the, we, we won a few. I think we went to Dundee and we won, and you know we beat a few of them championship teams. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take up, take what you want from that there for me, and it will be support right there, maybe. Well, I think it's a very interesting point of view, that's for sure. Anyway, Billy, we're we're coming to the end of the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat and a really, really in depth and continuously incredible journey that you've been on in the Irish League so far. What does the future hold for yourself? Because you know, still going well at Crusaders, still got a chance this season for the title, and maybe Europe. What what what's your thoughts moving forward? Yeah, well, see, I'm just I'm 31 now, so I'm kind of on the the downwards for all now in my career. But I'm up to play another a few years yet, and saying I want to finish my career at Crusaders. I don't want to go anywhere else. So mm-hmm. hopefully, in our league title or two, a couple more trophies. You know, that's what you're always aiming for. Yeah. So it's going to be tough, but you know, why why not? Someone has to win it. Why why 
it's going to be us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really want to wish you personally all the best and to Crusaders uh, for the rest of their season as well. Thanks for coming on Campbell's Fools to share your yes. incredible story with me. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time... I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.